All right. It's time to fire it up, Houdini. We were supposed to do this after the Xavier game. This was the song. We had it all teed up. Hey, you suck. Bryant loses. Uh, Final score in this one, 85-53 in favor of the Bearcats. Really a tale of two different halves, Houdini. First half, we're watching more of the same from the Xavier game. UC can't hit a shot. It looked like Chuck Walt basketball, where you just run down the floor. And and my motto, playing CYO growing up, was anything inside the three-point line. As long as you get it off, it's a good shot. Now, it doesn't have to hit rim. As long as it hits the backboard, it's a high-percentage shot if it's in seven feet. And that's kind of how I felt about the Cats today. That's how I felt with the Cats when it came to Dan Skillings and Jizzle James and John Newman even had a few of those those runners in the first half. But what changed in the second half? And welcome to the show, everyone. Yeah, well, I apologize to anybody who had the misfortune of watching that basketball game uh, for the first 20 minutes and even a decent chunk of the second half, and then they really turned it on. Um, I mean, I think it was just a hangover game after the, the big the big Xavier game that we folded on under pressure. Uh, I think it's expected to come out a little slow. They, I, I didn't expect them to be that sloppy, though. That was a – I mean, we had turnover after turnover, just throwing the ball into the stands, missing jump shots, um, not being strong around the rim, missing God knows how many – we were talking about that during the game. How many five-foot shots just dinking off the rim – launching it off the backboard it was it was ugly it was ugly to start but i mean they they got their composure and uh um hopefully we i think we were probably looking ahead to maybe the dayton game on saturday yeah this was one of those classic trap games on the show today we're talking about the tale of two halves cincinnati ice cold in the first half they put up 55 in the second frame aziz bandago was it his best game as a Bearcat? I don't know about game, but 1,000% his best half as he finishes with 12-17. and 17. That is a stat line. And if you went to the concessions at Fifth Third Arena to get yourself some popcorn and a Coke, you may have missed a lot of the action because he did his work late. Identity crisis. What is the Bearcats' identity right now? We're going to discuss that. Survive in advance. You beat a team today that beat Florida Atlantic. Transitive property says the Bearcats are heading to the Elite Eight. Or did Florida Atlantic go to the Final Four last year? It was Final Four, right? I think they were Final Four, yeah. I think they were Final Four. We're a Final Four team, yep. Yeah, so we got to look up where we're heading this year. We got to look up where we're buying our tickets. And the Dayton Flyers up next. That's all coming up right now on Chatterbox Bearcats. All right, so let's talk about that's the most abrupt ending ever. We got to get our producer Eric Teffer on that to maybe fade the music as we uh, as right. we move forward. A little more of a seamless transition. Yeah, a little, a little clunky there. But tale of two halves, man. Um, let's start with the first half. This is actually what I had in store for that first half. I, I wanted to en- encapsulate twenty minutes of basketball in one soundbite from a movie that everyone knows. Here it is.
That was Chunk from the Goonies, uh, if you did not recognize that. And that's what it was. It was uh, another garbage first half of basketball from the Bearcats. They shoot it under 25%. The threes weren't falling. As we mentioned, the layups weren't falling. Uh, there was no such thing as a good shot for Cincinnati in the first half. Even the beautiful play out of either a timeout or a turnover where um, Victor Locken got it down low and just missed the two-foot turnaround. Wes had to have been pulling out his hair. I mean, that was John Wooden stuff right there but uh the first half take me through your emotions as a bearcat fan watching that i sat in silence for like the first 15 minutes of that that half it was just clunk clunk turnover turnover um god can we do you know i don't know if they still do that when you you drive to the rim and the coach has the noodle and just hits you on the arm while you're trying to shoot a layup because my god we need to implement that in in these couple days before we play dayton because holy hell dude Go up strong and finish a damn layup. I mean, we're playing freaking um, – what's the guy's name we were talking about that was uh, at St. Petersburg? Doug Edert. Doug the, Edert. Uh, St. Petersburg. Have superstar. some respect. Have some respect. They've Saint gone further Peters. in the what tournament happened? than UC has um, in the last 25 years, which is A, sad, and B, um, put some respect on Doug Edert's name. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean – they got to finish at the rim. Dan Skilling's obviously number one um, culprit there. Just, I mean, he went, what, two for eight on the game. Just, he's got to find his rhythm because he, he's attacking the rim, but it's, you, you got to do it in a controlled way to, to some degree because he's just flailing around, launching it against the rim and not finishing. Um, and I'd love to see, I know we, we just talked about a little bit of Aziz, but Aziz, even though he had a great game stat line wise, just being stronger with the basketball, they always tell you as a big man, don't bring it, you know, me and you, Chuck, we're two big guys. They, you never want to bring the ball down to the smaller players. And they kept bringing the ball down and getting it stripped either behind their head or at their knees. Keep the ball up top, stay strong, go and dunk the damn ball. You're seven-footers, guys. So that, that was where I was just frustrated in the first half. One other thing I wanted to bring up with Aziz, and I thought it was the same way in the Xavier game, not as much Georgia Tech and uh, a few of the earlier games, but have you noticed – that when the other team attacks and they get into the middle of the lane, all Aziz has to do is like put his hand up. And with his seven foot seven wingspan, he'll potentially affect the shot. Someone will think that he's going for the block and they'll throw up some garbage where they go with a Manu Ginobili little Euro scoop, whatever it may be. But a lot of times he's a statue there and he has his hands by his side. And I, I get it. He's still affecting the shot just with his, you know, length standing there, not adding the arm to the equation and they're rushing it, or they're putting a lot of arc on that little floater, but he lets them take it. I'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive there. Have you noticed that at all? Is Am I in a camp alone? Uh, yeah. Well, a lot of times, yeah, he just kind of uh, tells you, he tries to beg you to shoot the ball, and he just kind of teases you, but doesn't actually go up for the block. Um, and it does affect the shots. I saw a couple times where he just acted like he was going to try to block. It didn't do shit, but they shot the ball 15 feet in the air to try to avoid it. So I would agree with you, um, but he does still affect the shots. I mean, I think he had, what, four blocks tonight? Probably could have had like seven if he tried a little bit harder on some of these. But you're going to take 14 or you're going to take 12, 17, and four uh, every day of the week out of Aziz. So A-plus from him today. You'll take that for sure. And in the second half, it was 30-27. to 27. The Bearcats led at halftime. For those of you that were on the minus, I think it was 20-and-a-half was the final line, you thought, what am I doing betting the Bearcats in this game? Bryant beat Florida Atlantic. 
Brian's got some decent players. What are we doing taking the Bearcats with 20 in the hook? Literally during a five-minute span in the second half, if you went to the bathroom, if you made yourself some nachos at home, if you had to put the kids to sleep, where whatever stage you are in life, if you went to the local watering hole and drove there for a late-night sud, uh, during that five-minute span, whatever you were doing, you missed about a 20-2 to two Bearcats run where they brought this game from about six points to whatever they won by, 32. Um, so with about seven minutes left, it was like an eight-point game. Um, definitely a little bit more of a blowout than the – or a little less of a blowout than the score indicates. It was somewhat tight. Uh, with about 10 minutes to go, but you never got the feeling that the Bearcats were actually going to lose this game, especially with the fact that they led at halftime after that anemic shooting first half. You figured they were going to figure it out. I was getting, I was getting a little nervous, Chuck. When we were we were up about six or seven, I think, with about seven or eight minutes left, and we were kind of going back and forth. Uh, they were getting hot, shooting threes. I was getting a little nervous that this is going to be such a sloppy game that they're going to beat us on a buzzer beater. And I'm actually, I see the chat talking about the uh, one of their players got ejected. Of course, I'm setting the It was Withers, and whatnot. right? Was it Withers? I, that's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing it was uh, Pinzen. Raphael Pinzen was ejected with one minute left in the game. And I totally missed it because they were up like 35 trying to set up the damn stream. Um, yeah, apparently it was, uh, it was quite the scene. We ruined, we broke Bryant. We broke Doug Edert and the Bryant Bears or whatever the hell their mascot is. I think we might have broke them today. That's what you got to do after a program like Xavier breaks you for the fifth consecutive season. In yeah. fact, we got to weave this in there. You mentioned how you had the champagne on ice ready to pop after the Xavier game. Which game are we rolling that over to? Because you're not allowed to drink it with your girlfriend, Michaela. You can't bring it to the family holidays and say, hey, I, I went out there and bought a nice bottle of Brut for everyone. No. We have to pop it on one of these shows. You can't do it after Bryant. Pick a game on the schedule. What looks nice to you? If we win that game, we'll pop it. Maybe we save it for Kansas at the Fog? Or is that I too mean, much of a stretch? It's, I, I want to drink this at some point, okay? We, we just lost to Xavier at the Cintas. Okay, I don't know if our first time out in Kansas is going to be. I mean, shit, maybe we should do that or maybe maybe leave it for Texas at home. Uh, maybe just the, the Big 12, right when we enter. I mean, hell, BYU's 18th in the country. Maybe we just leave it for that. If we beat BYU on the road, we're popping champagne. Mark it down. Lock it in. Uh, the Bearcats today, box score run through. They were led by, it was actually a close call at the top of the, uh, the scorebook, but it was C.J. Frederick who had 14 points and two rebounds. Aziz Bandega, we mentioned 12 points, 17 boards, 11 points, 5 rebounds for John Newman. Victor Locken had 7 and 12 boards. Dayday Thomas had 8 points, 2 rebounds. 2 points, 6 boards for Odio Guama. 7 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists for Simas Lukosius, who got into the lane quite a bit today. He seemed to be making good decisions. At some point, they're going to need Simas to be a 10-5 and 5 kind of guy. I don't know when that day is going to be because he has not been that yet for the Bearcats, but I think he... Dan Skillings and C.J. Frederick all playing together at the same time is the X factor that turns this team into, eh, they're all right, to, this team's pretty damn good. Uh, Dan Skillings played pretty well, 11 points and four rebounds, was getting to the foul line a lot. Yeah, I, I agree, though. Lacocious, I, I, 
he's been you know somewhat disappointing i know he got he got hit by the volvo last week so we'll give him a, a break on the xavier game um but yeah he looked he was a little sloppy to start out he had three turnovers um but i thought he calmed down a little bit and we're going to need him to be able to shoot the ball because as we've seen it, a lot of times it looks like frederick's the only guy that can really shoot from the perimeter at a consistent clip so I, I would love for Lacocious to kind of be what he was doing at Butler. And we're going to need it. I mean, hell, we're going to the Big 12 here soon. We, we got Dayton Saturday. We got a lot of big games coming up. So we got to we gotta be firing on all cylinders. We can't have – if we have that first half that we just had against Kansas, we're literally down 60 points. We can't yeah. do it. You're down 16 going into the locker room and uh... – Things aren't looking good, especially if, what, they're four or five games in, especially if you lose a road game at BYU, a home game at Texas, and a potential out-of-conference game against Dayton. But, hey, control what you can control. That's winning one game at a time. Bearcats improved to 8-1, and one, rounding out the scoring. Josh Reed, two points. Again, I didn't see him in there at all today. That's just kind of what he does. He goes in there. He's, he's your steady hand, the steady hand that just kind of goes in there and doesn't do anything, like like a young Jermaine hey, Josh Sanders. Reed? Josh Reed, yes. Speaking just, of Josh Reed, we got we got Reed Chatterbox Reed chirping us in the chat saying, will we ever win in Cintas? This is sick. This is sick. He, he's getting enjoyment out of this. I'm trying to enjoy a win against Bryant, one of the toughest teams in the country, and we have to deal with this shit. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah just get out of here, Reed, you fool. <laughs> 11 points, three assists, and two rebounds for Jizzle James. That gives Cincinnati 85 is the Bearcats win it by 32. Serious question for you. I need to know, do the Bearcats have a little bit of an identity crisis right now? The last couple of weeks, we thought this was a, a good shooting team, especially from outside. A couple games in a row, John Newman's not knocking them down. Uh, Dan Skillings isn't knocking them down. Seamus Lukosius wasn't knocking them down against Xavier. Um, and, and then the two point guards in Day Day Thomas and Jizzle James, even though they hit some today, uh, not sharpshooters by any means. Victor Lockins probably not going five or six every single game. What is this team's identity? Because I don't think they're a sharpshooting team. I think they have a couple of very good shooters, CJ Frederick being one of them. Uh, who is your second best shooter? Probably Seamus looking at it. But at this point, maybe. Maybe Newman's actually shown that if he can get an open shot, he can be 35% plus. I don't know, but just the fact that we're throwing Newman as potentially your second-best outside shooter goes to show you that this team is not built to win it by their perimeter shooting, and I think we've all seen that. Down low, they don't seem like the most physical team in the world, but they're a great rebounding team, and I think that's kind of their identity right now. Win on the glass, be a great offensive rebounding team, penetrate especially with CMOS whenever you get Aziz Bandego into the mix where it becomes you know an option where you can throw up the floater you can kick it to the outside or go with the oop to Bandego that's your triple threat right there best position that you can be in as a Bearcat so when Aziz is on the floor he gives you that opportunity and then I guess the other style is is this a team that can run up and down the floor can press you a little bit can take the ball away and, and really score in transition? I think that answer is kind of no because they tried to play that way in the first half and they looked sloppy as hell. They turned it over 10 times in the first half, which is their season average. Yeah, I, I'm not going to look too much into what we did in the first half of this game. Again, I think it was, I think we were all hungover. I'm it's a question. It's the, the I, We're all hungover, but it's the question like, what is yeah. this team's identity? If I'm putting you on I the think spot, we're still and you're it coaching. Out. Yeah. 
If you're coaching, what are we scrappy? Are we a good shooting team, which I don't think we are? Are we elite defensively? Like, what is our – you knew what we were under Cronin. You knew what we were under right. Huggins. We can never figure it out under Brandon. He's like, we're going to be very fluid offensively. And it's like, all right, well, you just gave up 96 to Colgate. So what is this team? Well, I think we're still figuring it out in real time. Um, I think if, if we want to be good, our identity has to be, we don't have to be great three-point shooters, um, but we got to be solid and knock down open ones. I think we're starting to get away from that a little bit. I, I mean, like I, some of, I know we didn't actually shoot too bad tonight, 35% from what I'm seeing, but some of those open, wide open looks, and they're not even coming close. Um, it, it's It's a brick factory out there. Um, but right now what we're doing is from an identity standpoint is crashing the boards. Um, we were all over the offensive rebounds again, and we've kind of done that consistently. Um, mid-range jumpers with Jizzle James, I think is one of our kind of our big time offensive set right now is letting him kind of patrol the, the free throw line area and shoot that mid-range, which has been pretty successful. So smooth. Um, but the, the lob threat with Aziz, we need to work on timing or something because that has not come to fruition um we've had a bunch of either he's going up too soft and getting pushed around or they're lobbing it across the damn court um so I think we're still figuring out the identity of this team and I don't know exactly what it is but transition is going to have to improve if we want to be good we got to be able to run the ball up and down the court a little bit with day-to-day speed and jizzle strength I think we got to utilize that a little bit more yeah, and finish and transition. There were so many times yeah. today where it was a two-on-one fast break and just bad pass, sloppy turnovers, um, shots that I thought should have hit the rim. They weren't that tough of looks. You know, if if Houdini could have hit it in an Elder Panthers game back in 2011, then I would expect John Newman or Jizzle James to be able to hit the rim. But today they just weren't dropping in the first half. But you mentioned the Cats shooting the ball. Ended up 40% from the floor, 6 of 17 from deep, so they weren't launching up a ton. That does put them at 35% for the game. The reason it's a 32-point game is because it was a 30, actually a 24 um, difference in rebounding, just domination from the Cats. 57 boards for UC to 33 for the much smaller, undermanned Bryant team. So that's ugly. All you can do against Bryant is survive in advance. Uh, games in college basketball are not easy. We saw Florida Atlantic lose to this team, as we've now mentioned for the third time in the show, and I'll probably mention it four or five because it makes me feel better about the Xavier loss. But Bryant's not a great team. However, they're better than probably Illinois-Chicago. They're better than probably Northern Kentucky. They're better than a couple of teams you've already beaten. So the fact that you take care of business, you beat them by 32, and you get back to that ass-kicking that you were doing at the beginning of the year, it's a good thing gaining that momentum heading into the Dayton game. So with that being said, we turn our attention to the Dayton Flyers. This is no Obi Toppin-led Dayton Flyers who were in the running for a potential one or two seed and a potential spot in the final four and COVID ruined everything, but Dayton's back to being pretty good. I think they'll flirt with an NCAA tournament bid. Are you worried about the Dayton Flyers? I am. I mean, we've kind of seen the cats come out and uh, this is going to be a neutral site game. 
So we don't have that advantage of playing at home. We've seen what we do when we're on the road. We'll see what we do at a neutral site. Obviously, we're going to have a, a lot of UC fans in attendance, but we got to be able to knock down some shots. Um, Dayton is not bad by any means. Um, you know, they lost a tight one to Northwestern, who's a uh, ranked team this year, uh, beat LSU, beat St. John's, beat SMU. So this team is – they're definitely capable of beating us. Um, I know that for a fact. So we'll see um, – what happened Saturday, but uh, we got to bring our A game. I know, I know that, and I feel like if we can beat Dayton, I mean, what are they in the the net rankings? Like fiftieth, so it'll be a it, it could end up being you know a quad one, quad two win for us. So we got to bring it, and I think that's going to flip the script of the season. Get back on track after that devastating loss to to Reed Xavier Musketeers. Uh, D- Dayton fans will flock to Fifth Third, or, or excuse me, to Heritage Bank. That's what Reds Daily is saying. Here's the thing. First of all, Bearcats More fans, fans than UC game. Than well, here's UC guaranteed. Here's the thing. Know. Here's the thing. Heritage Bank Arena is an absolute pile of steam. And it's, you know, in Billy Madison, when he puts the flaming bag of shit on, uh, I don't, is it the principal? I don't know whose door he puts it on, but he puts the flaming bag of shit on there. That's Heritage Bank mm-hmm. right now. You know, the old first star center. It's on, it's on fire right now. I mean, that place stinks. About 50 years ago, it saw that, that tragic accident um, at the Who concert, and I don't think they've updated it since. I mean, the concourse is there. I remember in, like, 2005 when I went to one of those Conference USA championships there, it was, you know, you were like a little sardine trying to walk through, like like me at a rave, you know, just trying to get through, and you absolutely can't. So I think UC fans know that that place stinks. Dayton fans are like, hey, it's a reason to go to Cincinnati, you know. We're going to have more fans. We're having more fans in Dayton. I don't want to hear this bullshit, okay? It's literally down the damn street. I know. I mean, we might have to have a separate podcast just talking shit on U.S. Bank Arena because we've done it so often. Um, but we're going to get more fans. We'll see. We'll, we'll tally it up after the game. We'll figure it out. But, um, yeah, U.S. Bank, I don't know where they came out with the deal to do it there. I guess it makes sense from a Dayton standpoint just to, to play each other and not have to do the home-and-home home crap. So, We'll see, but yeah, Dayton's very capable of beating us. Um, I'm sure we'll be favored, I don't know, four, four and a half points, something like that, um, but we'll see. Dayton is 7-2. and two. Uh, Let's run through the good teams that they've lost to or beaten. They lost to Northwestern, led by Boo Booey, uh, one of the best players in the country. Northwestern beat them 71-66 in that game. Northwestern's a tournament team. That's a competitive game. They beat LSU, did the Flyers, 70-67 to on a neutral court. They beat St. John's. That's, I mean, I don't think the Johnnies make the tournament much, but whenever I look at St. John's, I'm like, that's a decent win, right? I mean, we, we were in the Big East long enough to know that if you beat St. John's, home or road, it's like, all right, we beat St. John's. They're dangerous. They can take you down. They lost to Houston 69-55, and then they beat our old friends from SMU. 65-63. Their last game was a win over Troy, 82-70. They're 7-2 and two right now, and based on what they've done in the non-conference, they're squarely on the bubble. They're a team that with a good Atlantic 10 run could potentially make the NCAA tournament this year. Um, any final words on U.S. Bank Arena or Heritage Bank Arena? Because I'll tell you this, we've talked about this on our other show, The Chatter, which we're going to tease before we um, toss this thing into the stratosphere. And that is, A, I think Cincinnati needs an NBA team. And I know a lot of people out there that are huge college basketball fans say, the NBA stinks, Chuck. We don't like the NBA. We don't want a team. Nonsense. If you got an NBA team down there 
and you had the soccer team a few miles away, and you sandwiched that a renovated U.S. Bank Arena or Heritage Bank Arena right there, and in the middle you had Great American Ballpark, and then you had Paul Brown too. I've been to many stadiums in my day, not to boast, but in my Big J days, you know, we traveled to some some ballpark villages across the country. That's up there with with any in the entire nation. Like it's better than San Francisco's. It's better than the Oracle Chase combo with how far you got to ride along and and how little bar selections they have there. Um, Wrigley is just Wrigley and it's elite. But in terms of, you know, I'm trying to think of the major cities that I can think of that have those villages and Cincinnati would be, it'd be tier one. It'd be up there with any. So I don't know how much, I don't know how much money it is. It's, it's perfect location right there. I don't know how much money it would cost to renovate Heritage Bank to the point where it looked like KFC Yum Center in Louisville and we could play some NBA games there at some point, maybe 10, 20 years away. But at some point, I think we're both in the camp of let's let's do it. Let's get that place nice and shiny first, because of as of right now, as we said, Billy Madison, he called the shit poop. Let's just put it that way. That place stinks. I mean, it's just such a prime location in the middle of the city right next to the other stadiums. And just from a revenue standpoint with the venues, the concerts, I think they had like Lion King on ice. I told my nephew, you cannot step foot in the U.S. Bank Arena. I don't care that you're six years old. The place is a dump. You're going to get yourself in trouble at U.S. Bank Heritage Arena, okay? We don't go until it's renovated. So if they – you would think that the people that, that you know, obviously are these real estate investors, guys like that, this would bring so much money in over time. I'm sure it would be a pain in the ass to do it right now. But I'm just shocked nobody's jumped on that idea to bring in, you know, concerts, everything under the sun – to have a U.S. Bank Arena and then throw us the, an NBA team. Hell. Yeah, I mean. Bring the Supersonics worry, back. Bring them to Cincy. Yes, Cincinnati Supersonics. It kind of rolls off your tongue, although it would have to be the Cincinnati Royals if you brought the NBA franchise back. But yeah. um, in and, and, and short term, you get that place renovated and you can host an NCAA tournament game. You can host, you know, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight rather than hosting Dayton and whatever. I don't even know why this is a neutral site game. Is this like the the Shriners classic? I'm not even seeing like that it's any sort of a specialty game. I guess UC just said, hey, we'll meet you halfway and we'll play in downtown Cincinnati. But line for this one, I'm sure it's going to be like Bearcats minus two. Probably going to be a pretty close game, I'd imagine. But we'll see what the bookmakers think of the Bearcats based on how this spread is. Because if the Cats come out minus five and a half, minus six and a half in this game, I think they believe we're pretty good. And that Xavier loss is just a loss to a team that you consistently lose to. But again, Bearcats win at 85-53 tonight. They improve to eight and one on the season. We salute you. We will see you after the Dayton game on Saturday. Houdini will probably have himself three or four drinks beforehand. See you, everyone. Yes, sir.